Hello, welcome to the Manchester's Red podcast for the Manchester News. I'm Rich Fay. I'm delighted to say I'm joined today by Samuel Luckhurst. Good afternoon. And Kieran Kelly. Hello. It's been a while since we've all been back together, so it's nice to be back. The sun's shining. Yes. Yes. We're on to day 14, and so the sun's not stopped. I think we're taking it for granted a bit now in sunny Manchester. And lots of reason for United fans to be happy at the moment. Samuel Transfer's got two under the line already. We've got a magical third one on the way in terms of league grants. I know, I know. It seems to have. A lot of United fans seem to be annoyed by it as if it's it's an unambitious statement of yeah. intent when realistically, I mean, the way the role was described to me was that it would be a Richard Wright style role, yeah. which is he goes there, probably might not even ever play for the club, uh, and there's the option to possibly go on to the coaching staff, but the main thing is Henderson's gone out on loan, it will allow uh, Joel Pereira to go out on loan as well, probably Kieran O'Hara. So that's three academy goalkeepers who are getting some much playing time. Johnson's going to leave permanently because he's, he's 25 now and he's still not played a senior night again. I think he knows that he's outstayed his welcome there and he's a very good goalkeeper who looks like he'll get a very good move to, to West Brom. But in, in terms of the transfer stuff, I think it is um, because it's a World Cup year, it's always going to delay. Uh, things that's always going to have an adverse impact on it, even though clubs can obviously uh, conclude deals and negotiate. But there are certain players United want who are at the World Cup and will be there uh, from the quarterfinal stages onwards. And also, you, you do wonder um, why those 14 Premier League clubs decided to vote for an early transfer window closure last year because. Uh, I think the window closes. It'll be five weeks on yeah. Thursday, so taking uh, soon. I know, I know. They that that's the cutoff point for them to to sign players. Of course, they can sell players until uh, FIFA's deadline. They can sell them to football league clubs as well. I mean, it's just yeah. the top tier in in England who, for them, business ends in terms of buying players on on August the ninth, which I don't think is ideal. And from United's perspective, they've got a thirty man squad, which there's a lot of fat there that needs to be cut away before they bring in I think they, they'll want at least two more players but Mourinho wanted four players last season he ended up only with three so there's a bit of symmetry there and we'll have to see what happens but I'd imagine once the World Cup ends the, yeah. the transfer stuff will pick up again uh, immeasurably yeah, okay, like Samuel said, there is, a, there is a lot of trimming to do from this United squad, and the reality for fans might be to expect departures before any more arrivals, really. Yeah, yeah, feasibly. I think the you look at the main bit of business is getting a quality centre half, and that's going to be the most complicated transfer. I think they're quite lucky with Fred that I, I know is a bit delayed, but um, replacing Carrick on paper looked the hardest thing, mm-hmm. didn't it? And um, they set their stall out so early and getting him through the door, but. I think getting the centre-back is going to be one that could rumble on. And equally, I think the doomsday scenario that United have often avoided is having to go to deadline day, needing your top target. So um, I think, as Simon said, it'll be um, once the World Cup ends, you'd see that two-week period maybe where something will really pick up. But, um, you know, the refreshing thing I've been is just the surprises. So Lee Grant, I think, typifies that. Uh, I don't think anyone would have thought him and Delo would have joined United and yet they represent two of the three signings they've made so um, it could well be that we'll be talking about someone very very random <laughs> but in, in terms of outgoings it seems more predictable that you're, yeah. you're again looking at the same guys Blaine, Darmian 
Um, still hanging in somehow yeah, yeah. and it's looking like they'll probably go on the tour so that's a chance maybe for them to um, when you think back to two years ago in Marino's first tour squad uh, there was an international tournament on and he took a lot of players who uh, either left the club with their yeah. own loan or permanent so I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily um, but you, you've got to look at guys who you know as you said clinging on Luke Shaw you know um the holiday photos, whatever you want to say about them, this is such a good opportunity because yeah. you're thinking Ashley Young, uh, probably if England obviously gets to the quarters, he'll have an extended break if they, they're in the last 16, so he probably won't play the first couple of games on tour. That's there for Shaw now again. Um, guys like him really have a chance to impress, so um, I think it'll be an intriguing tour for that because there are quite a few United players who are into the last eight already. Yeah, we spoke uh, just before then, Samuel, saying there might be another two signs for United in terms of first team. It sounds like centre-back's a priority for Mourinho. If he's going to get maybe a fourth signing, what position do you think he needs to strengthen the most? Well, I think from their perspective, they'd look for a forward there, particularly if, if Marshall does agitate, which mm. there's every chance he will do, they're going to have to offset that. Uh, that might work for Mourinho as well. Uh, it won't work for a lot of United fans because a lot of United fans want Marshall to stay. Um, but the, the, the left-back thing is weird because for upwards of 18 months they've looked at options to replace yeah. Shaw and they've been a bit capricious about it. Uh, certainly in January when Shaw was playing quite well, it was extending his contract. Park plans to sign a left-back and then obviously Young comes back in, Shaw doesn't do enough in Mourinho's eyes uh, to get back in the team. And it's then all systems go for Alexandro. Uh, but then suddenly, it's, it's, it's all gone quiet on that front. And I can understand in a way why right-back was more pressing because you've got Shaw there, who is a talent. But on the other hand, you think, this is the Jose Mourinho, Luke Shaw, and you just think, he's in the last year of his contract now. It's, he's had more lives than the cat. I mean, I was, I was thinking about it in the first summer. Obviously, you're not going to sell him because it's just one dire yeah. season. The second summer, he's come back from injury and everyone's looking forward to it. Last summer, he was injured, so you couldn't sell him. And it's almost like this summer because Blind and Darmian are likely to go and the players have played a lot at left-back. That, that might reprieve him. But thinking back to the cup final, the cup semi-final, the weak link... Um, one of the weakest links anyway in both those games were, were, were the full-backs yeah. and they they do need freshening up there but there's a very good chance United will start the season with Valencia and, Shaw, uh, sorry, Valencia and Young again but as Kieran alluded to I think this as, as we keep on saying every summer this is a chance for sure <laughs> yeah. because Young's not going to be on that tour and even if Darmian and Blin do go I mean I wouldn't put it past Mourinho even if Darmian and Blin uh, <laughs> they've got their departure bags ready Um it wouldn't surprise me if he still starts him ahead of Shaw just out of some sadomasochistic thrill he'll get from it. Um, it's, it's always We always talk like that, but ultimately I think that they're in a position with Shaw now where it's, they're dangerously close to just not ever selling him and him not ever making it, so in which case he, he ends up leaving on the free, which, which would have been unthinkable, and that's why they have that plus one option contracts to safeguard yeah. that investment. Um, and at centre-half... Again, if, if someone come in, someone has to go out there, you'd think, because they've got Bailly, they've got Two and Zeebe, Lindelof, Smalling, Jones, Rojo. That's, there's an awful lot of... Yeah. I mean, I think in a lot of positions with United's case of quantity rather than quality, um, Lindelof's had a really good tournament, yeah. but you know, 
Thomas Ferguson said all those years ago after Borski and Jordi Cruyff at United Six, you can't judge players no. on the back of tournaments, but he does seem to play an awful lot better for Sweden than he does uh, for United. Yeah, we, at least to there, the um, talk about the new right back, the low. Kieran, it's been interesting watching the World Cup, there's been so many good, young, exciting right backs. Do you still think United were right to get Jürgen Delo so early into the summer transfer window? I mean, it's, it's difficult to yeah, say he's only played high I honestly games. think no one will know till. Till we, till we see. And even again, probably till the season after next, because he's going to need a season. I think you might only see him play a couple of games before Christmas, yeah. even that they're going to be very, very patient with them. But um, I suppose the counter argument, as opposed to the case of Lindelof, is um, when it comes to the Portuguese league, Mourinho knows it so well and still knows so many people over there who he would have asked about. And this is a player who was wanted by. Uh, a lot of clubs who are willing to pay even more than United so um, I think it's it's once taken everyone by surprise and as I was alluding to it's just refreshing in this era where everyone knows yeah. everything inverted commas that we're going <laughs> to a tour where uh, this kid will will get to play in front of millions of, uh, across the world and everyone will have the same reaction you know I've never seen him play let's see what he can do and he's probably going to be the Main signing on that tour, so um, there'll be a lot of Will Grant might have some stuff. Oh, we never know. I hope they get it over the line uh, in time, but um, it'll be it'll be very very interesting. I, th- I think you know it's it's too early to judge, and um, I think right backs um, we're almost waiting for a new era to emerge now, where um, where you've seen other positions where the old guard kind of move on, and you have a, a new generation of right backs and it very much seems that Delo could be uh, a big part of that given how much praise he already has I mean Mourinho went to the point saying he's the best of his generation yeah. you think of Trent Alexander-Arnold's in there as well so that's 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 big praise yeah. um, but equally I think they're going to carefully manage him like with Lindelof and it'll be a step-by-step thing those first six months yeah, Like you said before Sam, I was going to ask you about Lindelof we know he has been superb for Sweden in this World Cup but we, as, as he says well it, it looks so certain a left back has got to be signed and then eventually it looks like it's maybe uh, simmered down a bit centre back as well we say priority but if Lindelof comes back as a good pre-season tour and you haven't got a centre back in do you think Mourinho could be persuaded to, to not buy one this summer and, and stick with buying you Lindelof do you think that's too much of a risk I think there's there's certainly been appetite among the supporters to see Lindelof and Bayer play mm. together because it's just not happened um as as a as an actual pairing, it didn't happen on pre-season because I mean we were wondering that in, in the states last year, and when I asked Mourinho about it, he was very cryptic and a bit missed, Everyone was mystified by it, but then the the UEFA suspension came out um, about Phil Jones, and he clearly wanted Bailly and Jones as a partnership, and then he played Lindelof and Swan in other games. I'm not particularly sure that was the right way to go about it, particularly when you see when you recall how poor start Lindelof had and particularly at Huddersfield um, it was his first meaningful game he made two mistakes but th- there's there's scope there for those two to complement each other quite well uh, that said Bai had a very um, bad end to the season where he's been dropped from games mm-hmm. he's been overlooked for games I think it's just as well for him that he'll be available in the pre-season tour um, given how, how it ended last season uh, Beyond those, you've still got the, the choices of Smalling and Jones. Rojo, I, I, I mean, the, the new contract he got in March, I, I still can't yeah. quite fathom it really. It was, he, was, he was injured at the time as well. It didn't, didn't make a whole lot of sense. And when you think about his form for United, 
you go back to that first Fulham Mourinho season when he came in and Jones came in, they formed a good partnership. Jones got injured a couple of months later, but Rocco stayed in the team and did very well. Yeah. When, when him and Ibrahimovic got injured, I think a lot of United fans felt as though Rocco would be the bigger miss. But that's you look at it that way, that's five genuinely good months in, in four years at United and he's, he's been given a new contract. Um, so, I mean, United are quite adamant that they want a centre-back because there, there is a... There's a long list there of potential alternatives. Uh, I mean, going back to Lindelof, another player they were looking at during that time was Jose Jimenez, who's, I think, with Godin, is probably the best at, you know, defensive axis in world football, but that wasn't to be for United. So, um, I, I going into next season, I'd be amazed they didn't sign another defender because he is genuinely um, unconvinced by that area in, in terms of wanting to, to challenge for the league. But as, as the old cliche goes of like a new signing you could possibly apply that to Lindelof but he, he's not going to have a pre-season either because of, of Sweden's progress you can imagine possibly play against Bayern Munich in that, in that yeah. European friendly but other than that um, there might be another period where he has to wait for his turn there really United fans probably be concerned I know Rojo scored a fantastic goal in the World Cup against Nigeria but against France he looked so out of his depth as well which is a real concern he, he I, looked, I know he's getting Mbappe and anyone's going to look he, he looked like a, I, I thought he looked like a steward trying to catch a pitch in favour <laughs> going after Mbappe for the first goal it's it, it, it's been with the yeah I mean for, from his perspective Argentina like they've got one of the greatest players ever a few decent attackers but other than that it's a team of Nobody's and has been, yeah. It's peculiar, but I guess if City can win the league of Ottomandi at the back, then Lindelof must be feeling that there's some got a chance yeah. next season. Um, we're also talking while well, we're on the World Cup. Kieran, United's performance has had a bit of a mixed bag. Fred, we haven't seen a minute of yet. This, of course, these could change. This podcast will be so outdated quickly with the World Cup on this week. Lukaku so far has been on fire. He's scored four goals, leading for the. He's chasing Harry Kane for the Golden Boot. De Gea's crashed out with Spain. Can't really. Blame all on him, no, though, no matter what the Spanish press will tell you. How who's impressed you the most in this World Cup from that point of view? Is it as obvious as just Lukaku? Or yeah, I think for me personally, I haven't watched every game, so um, I'm not as well versed as other people. But um, I think with him, it's great to see him do it on the world stage because um, I think his form since in, since the spring, you know, we're talking February time, it's been really, really important and you do wonder, had he not got that injury against Arsenal in yeah. that cup final, United having a focal point, that would have been very different potentially, but I think he's he's quickly emerged as not only United, one of United's most important players, but obviously a, a huge dressing room figure as well, which they've badly needed losing Rooney and Ibrahimovic, so um, I think, you know, with him... Um, it's another springboard for him to take that confidence and form. And um, it was interesting. Dropout came out today and was just saying how he's been giving him tips during the World <laughs> Cup that he still is acting as a mentor for him. And um, Lukaku isn't too, um, you know, arrogant to think. Well, I've, I'm made at United now. I don't really need to listen to a guy who's 14 playing for Montreal Impact or whatever. Um, and that's that's really heartening to know that he, he's still taking on advice and he doesn't think he's the finished article and for United that's really important I think um, you know the World Cup Mourinho would be kind of maybe a bit happy how it's worked out that Matic obviously getting the holiday after going out in the groups and uh, I think with De Gea 
might reinforce how loved he is at United yeah. because the first game of the season he's going to get a huge reception from the fans as always um, and you just feel that he doesn't seem to suit that he's very calm as a player and a personality but he just seems a bit sensitive to how the press is over there it's very very um, in your face and you make one mistake I know equally the English press can be like that but um, you always had that chance to turn it around at United and, and prove people wrong and um, you just feel at Madrid when Ronaldo gets jeered at times yeah. um, that wouldn't sit well with De Gea so I think it could work in United's favour a little bit that as, as bonkers as it sounds no, it's, <laughs> it is interesting his, his relationship with uh, the Spanish media there was a Spanish journalist who um, doorstepped him at the United Sponsors event last year out of shot of all the United staff members and was amazed that he even talked because I think he cited the, the donut reporting of the donut uh, theft in inverted commas at Tesco and um, or, or other supermarkets there are other yeah. supermarkets very we're not sponsored yet no no no, no. Um, and the, the the sex scandal um, yeah, yeah. issue I think it was with uh, Ikim Yunyain in um, 2016 the, the reporting of those Incidents did not go down well with De Gea at all, and I think it's just interesting that you see a Spain a Spanish journalist last week. Um, he was questioning whether De Gea was the best goalkeeper in the world on um, on the radio over here, and when someone said, "Well, who else is better?" and he said, uh, "Old Black, Testake, and Allison possibly," and you look at those players and you think like, they are good goalkeepers, particularly Old Black. And you think there's a Madrid-based goalie. Uh, a Spain-based goalie and possibly a Madrid-bound goalkeeper, yeah. and it's just you, it's easy to join the dots. And today, Mark who have uh, put his goalkeeping above the, the sacking of the coach, among the reasons why why Spain went out, and it is part and it's biased. And I also think just think the um, the love affair is over there. Um, mm. You know, from, from what I've been told, you know, he's, he's agreed a new United contract. It was interesting to see him say on Twitter the other day when it was the anniversary of him signing for United. How happy yeah. he was. He was to be part of the family. Um, I, I think that if, if Madrid get a really good goalkeeper, and you said they might not end up with Courtois still, given that his children live in Madrid with um, with their mother, that they've, they've got a brilliant young goalkeeper there for you know, the best part of the next decade, and that shit might have sailed for De Gea. So as, as jittery as he's been at the World Cup, I think from United's perspective it's, it's been a good World Cup mm-hmm. for them and also he comes home early from it as well That's the positives for United fans another thing the United fans loved now, there's Lukaku pre-match team talks Kieran there's lots of people on Twitter saying he should be the next captain of United next season now that Carrick's gone it's got a big decision for Mourinho to make this summer who do you think is in the running to be the next captain of United and are there any players that you think should be given the armband? Yeah I think it's Hartman as, as I said earlier that when you've seen big dressing room figures, you've had Carrick as a player, Eve Rooney, Ibrahimovic, whatever about them being old, they obviously have such respect in the dressing room. And um, you're kind of seeing in the last 12 months how the, some of the younger guys, you know, De Gea, Lukaku, Pogba, they're, they're stepping up into that role a bit more. Um, I don't think Mourinho puts particular value on who wears the armband. He'd rather have a team where each of them were, were leaders in their own right. Um, and, you know, you see now. Uh, the Derby at halftime, Ashley Young's leading the charge despite not having the armband. You, you've seen Ander Herrera obviously over the years um, play a big role when kids come to train. He's one of the first to, to introduce them and things like that. So um, 
I think I'd be surprised personally if Valencia doesn't get it. I think it, it's going with the status quo. He's the one who wore it the most last season. Um, I think, you know, potentially had Pogba not had that run with Mourinho, that would have been a that seemed like an inevitable appointment. That you know you've got a new a new leader leading a new generation almost. But for me, I'd be surprised with Valencia. I know you could talk about his lack of English <laughs> and the fact he's 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 a veteran as well, but. Um, it's a safe appointment and I'd be surprised if Mourinho doesn't go for a safe appointment. Do you agree with that, Samuel? Do you think that's is the obvious choice? Or the, the, the one thing that sticks out about that, I mean, I, I would not be surprised the slightest if it is Valencia, but when Mourinho was discussing the captaincy um, a year ago following Rooney's departure, he said that he didn't agree with the criteria that the longest servant yeah. should, should get it yet. He gave it to Carrick, which is completely logical, yeah. even though Carrick... Um, wasn't going to be a starter and unfortunately had um, uh, his health issues as well which I think kept him out for four months but then the captain went on to Valencia who's, who's obviously the, the longest serving player now um, I mean it's it's another opportunity a little bit like with the Fellaini contract you can break away and you know have a clean break from that generation or you, you just go along with the same old with the with the obvious choice in Valencia, who is still kind of wedded to that Ferguson era, even though he wasn't part of a great Ferguson side, he did enjoy success with him, and of course he got to a Champions League final. Um, I mean, I think there's nothing that would be more of a feel good story for United fans than giving the, announcing a new De Gea contract, okay. saying he's the captain as well. Uh, I don't think it's an obvious; he's not an obvious Mourinho leader in that sense, even though you know Casillas was captain on him at Real Madrid. But as, as Kieran said, I think Pogba's issues kind of scuppered that um, yeah. in, in getting that rank this summer. Uh, I don't think Lukaku should be discounted, but you do need someone who's going to be playing regularly. And Valencia, even though they've signed Dallo, is going to be playing regularly yeah. still. Well, you just mentioned the F word there, Fellaini's new contract. <laughs> I thought we were going to get through the podcast. Or, uh, touching on it but I guess you've got to he's got this new deal Gary Neville said that as, as a member of a 23-man squad he's not he's a good asset to have he, he'll play his part in some some aspect this season he's not going to be starting every game Aaron Fellaini at least we, we might, might hope not um, Kieran do you think it's a wise move from Mourinho or do you think they've been embarrassed really over this saga of Fellaini yeah I'd lean towards the latter that I think this had been sealed six months ago like you know his original extension last year you know he got after scoring that goal against Hull, you know, there was a bit of a strange feel-good factor on Fellaini. It's not an inspiring move, is it? But, you know, um, ever, it's a cliche, we all know what he can do, the, the difference he can make. The, the winner against Arsenal last season, he's, he's done that a number of times for United, but then you get the flip side of the effect he has on the setup and team when he's in there. Um it was a chance. It, 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 you look at it in two ways. It almost shows how much control Mourinho has. Um, you know, this is like Mourinho. He's a figure that doesn't fit the United model yet. Here he is getting a two-year deal with an option of a three, third year. So if he's be good outlast Mourinho, which is hilariously ironic. And then you know, the other hand, you look at it and think, well, just having him in the background, there's just always going to be that lingering temptation to to go along and when you're bringing in fresh ideas and coaching staff and you're bringing in fresh ideas with the players like with Fred and you're looking to play like they did to start last season more consistently 
um, it just doesn't send a great message because I know he only started five games last season but was injured for a lot of those moments um, the FA Cup final Mourinho's you know, mocking Chelsea for punting it to Giroud moments later he's talking about Fellaini's presence and how they missed it so um, it does it, it's a bit of a it's a pity I think in a way because I think you know United are bigger than Fellaini and he almost looked bigger than the club um, with the way he was going on um, and Fellaini FC exactly and it's 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 not like you know a superstar not that you forgive players for going on like yeah. this but it's not like you're going to get 30 goals out of them um, and that, that that's the issue for me but you know it's again it just shows the control Mourinho has he's never probably had this much uh, of a say because I don't think there'd be many you know who would have been gutted to see Fellaini depart bar him that was the absolute problem the timing um, when he, yeah. you think back to October when he got injured on the international duty United fans were gutted and uh, spitting feathers at Martinez for even risking him and he was playing well where I think he scored four goals in September or something mm. like that uh, I thought one of the best um, uh, views on his new contract really was, was from Courtois who mm. kind of said like you know, he's a valuable asset uh, he was talking about when Chelsea won the up against United last season at Stamford Bridge and he said the last person he wanted to see come on was Fellaini of course he came on United hit it long to him and, um, and he nearly scored an equaliser. So that I can't really envisage his matchday squad next season where Fellaini is fit and he is not on the bench yeah. because Mourinho values that option. And the only reason Fellaini is staying at United is because of Mourinho. And I think uh, Fellaini kind of alluded to that in his, in his statement as well. I think the concern for a lot of supporters is that even though he's associated with Plan B, there are times when he's also Plan A like the Sevilla yeah. game, second leg, um, just an inexplicable decision by Mourinho to start him in that one. And he's, th- those are the times where Mourinho will revert back to his old ways. I mean, there are spells where he can preside over champagne football and it's going to be stylish and watchable. But for the majority of last season, um, the football was unwatchable. And uh, as Kieran said, um, the cup final, the two guys he kind of left to hang out to dry work, Lukaku and, and Fellaini, who are, of course, you know, figurehead players and, and physical players as well. Um, but he, he certainly has his merits. There'll, there'll, there'll definitely be games next season where United will be glad they had him because he'll have made an impact, will have won um, three points or earned them a point here and there. Who knows what time he leaves. There might be a testimonial closing in on the cards. <laughs> yeah. I have to wait and see about that. Um, well, go lastly, the uh, upcoming US tour. It's got to be interested. And Kieran, as we said earlier in the podcast, there's lots of players who do have opportunities to uh, show Mourinho that they've got a future at the club and that they can be in his plans next season. Yeah, it's... Um, I mean, I don't think it's like two years ago where it was a clean slate and he was, he was finding out a lot of these players I think he already knows well by now the strengths and weaknesses of every single one of them but um, I think there, there, there are a few little subplots in there you know is it, is it going to be deja vu for Andres Pereira is this going to be a, a chance for him to put himself in the mix for that central midfield position now that Fellaini's staying feasibly he could be like a new signing in Um you're looking at kids who could come in, you know, is it just going to be one or two, could there be a left field surprise, you know um, there are lots of little 
subplots just in who he takes come next Sunday. So um, I think that that's what makes it particularly exciting uh, that you know that Pogba, Lukaku, De Gea, etc. won't be there the first uh, couple of weeks of the tour and um, just who's going to step up and really grasp that opportunity. Mm, Samuel, in terms of youngsters, are there any that you're expecting to see included on the tour or maybe... It's, it's tricky to um, to try and even predict that. I mean, a guy, uh, someone like Ethan Hamilton, who made the squad for a cup game last season, at the moment he may know he may not be a Manchester United player because <laughs> the club haven't really bothered to announce whether he's uh, signed a new contract or not. His profile's still on the website, but technically he's he's out of contract now. So, I mean, the the, the, the players that the fans always go for are. Chong and Gomez and that would be great um, I, I still think that Mourinho will take a pretty senior squad out there in the when you consider the players who've gone to the World Cup it's I mean I think the first team squad at the moment is, is 30 strong yeah. um, taking taking Johnson out for Lee Grant and so taking 11 out of that you've got 19 players there so there's not an awful lot of room for, for youngsters to go on the tour and you have to take into account guys like Mitchell who's come back from the loan spell you'd imagine he'll go um, because he had a very good few months yeah. at, at Hearts and maybe some other senior under 23 players but um, they, they, as I said you, you hope he'll be Chong Gomez because it's about time they got more first team exposure at that level I mean I'm, I think I've just about recovered from the Watford game in May where he pointlessly played Darwin yeah. and Blind in, even though they were never going to play any role, uh, any part in the FA Cup final. So um, he, he could do some good PR as well, uh, Mourinho, I think. just you know, he, he's pop, he's, His approval rates for United fans at the moment aren't, aren't particularly high and um, yeah, pre-season starts, everyone's a bit more enthusiastic and, and positive and optimistic. So... Hopefully that's reflected with his uh, with his squad announcement. So we're dreaming of Chong and Gomez. Looks like it could be Grant and Fellaini <laughs> instead, but we'll have to wait. Well, well Fellaini will be in um, win the World Cup. Yeah, Fellaini will be. I think every so United fans are in Belgium on the whole way to keep him all <laughs> well, Yeah, I'm sure he doesn't play any international <laughs> Champions Cup games. But we'll see. He might be there in Munich when you have to take Yeah, him there's, there's, I think I think there's a good chance he'll be in Munich. Yeah, yeah and. We look forward to all your other updates from the tour as well. So maybe you'll be away for a few weeks coming up as well. Uh, yeah, I go. Well, I think I'll probably be doing another one of these. You could you could delay your farewell. To we will if you like. We'll cancel um, the card. Don't uh, worry. Yeah, unless yeah, I, I I will. Yeah, I think it will be in next week. So yeah, that's something to look forward to, isn't it? That's a good way to sign it off. In my anodyne tones again. Next week. <laughs> and more Fellaini talk. I'm sure he might be getting close to a World Cup winners medal by that. Anyway, so yeah. who knows? Yeah. Thank you both for joining us today on the Manchester Red Podcast. Make sure to subscribe on ACAS for all the latest episodes and follow the Manchester Evening News for all of United's pre-season updates.